0: Amen. Praise the Lord. And I always like uh, Lord's Supper Sundays just because of the relationship that we established together in, uh, in these times and able to continue to keep that going together. And, you know, I, 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 over the last couple of weeks, um, you know, I've kind of been wondering, OK, what do we do with church growth in a pandemic? How do you manage church growth in a pandemic? Because, uh, you know, like last Sunday, we're all, way, all the way back to uh, having cars uh, you know parked on the street i think and things like that how do you handle growth in a pandemic so one of the ideas that we have we're going to uh, maybe to help equalize things with the nine o'clock and ten thirty service starting next sunday there will be praise at both service times at nine o'clock and at ten thirty. and of course next sunday also is baptisms and the sunday after that valentine's day sunday And invite someone to come with you or watch with you online uh, because I'm going to be talking on Valentine's Sunday about how to avoid slips in relationships. So we'll take a week out from our series that we're doing and we will look, uh, you know, we'll we'll be occasional since it's a special occasion. And so worship at both times starting next Sunday. And then we'll have Harvest Kids also at both service times starting March 7th. Okay, so starting March 7th, Lord willing, and we'll roll in um, pre-K either at that time or after that. Now, they need uh, they need K through second grade teacher at 10.30, check-in volunteers. They need like three helpers and runners. They need pre-K workers at both times. There is a sign-up board right now in the lobby where you can sign up for any one of those particular slots And, uh, you know, I'd say that if you go out there and by the time you get there, you know, it looks like things are signed up for, go ahead and put your name down anyway. And uh, maybe we can go to a rotation on some things. I do think with, you know, if you have pre-K kids, um, this is your house too. And, uh, you know, what that means is unless you are involved someplace else serving on Sundays then think about taking, you know, rotation once a month and coming in and helping with everybody, everybody's kids as well as yours because this is the dealio right here. If, if your family is supposed to be a major part of your ministry, then the children of this church need to be the major part of our ministry. And we've got, you know, if we do nothing else, we have to be able to take care of the generation and generations coming up behind us. So we're going to look forward to doing that in the weeks ahead. And also, I want to con- I want to continue to invite you to skip one meal a day this next week and fast. And uh, so, as you as you skip a meal and as you fast, use prayer as your meal replacement. Maybe you'll even lose weight. Maybe you'll even lose some of the holiday weight doing that. I don't know, but. Um, you know, I, I just have that as a burden on my heart, not only for the praying for the harvest teams that we're starting, and you know, for other wa- things we have to do in ways that we're trying to manage uh, growth, even during a pandemic, but also continue to pray for Pastor Mark Trotter. And uh, you know, rather than me give an update from the pulpit, you can read it on on my Facebook feed, or you can read it online. Um, And, you know, I think with, sometimes we look at situations and and we say, okay, well, how does my prayer affect that? How does prayer even affect that? I mean, why should I even pray? I mean, doesn't God already know? And, And, you know, God is sovereign. Isn't he already in control? And I thought about these things because I'm teaching a class, a course on Saturdays in our Bible Institute on a survey of theology. And my intention is to take some time out and be able to give at least half a session to a theology of prayer, because nobody does that. I don't know if, I can't think of a systematic theology book that has a chapter on prayerology or whatever they call it. And I thought, you know, this is such a major thing, why do we not, why do we not have a theology of prayer? And as I thought about those things and thought, okay, how would I approach it you know, I really think that the, the story in the Gospels about Jesus walking on the water is a great picture through which we, would, we should see uh, what prayer is like and what it's all about and why we do it. Because here's Jesus, the disciples are in the boat, he comes walking toward them, and he would have walked right past them. I mean, he said at least he made as if he would have kept going. And he would have kept going unless they had yelled out and said, Hey, you know, is this the real you or is this the dead you? And it's a ghost coming to us. And uh, and he said, No, man, it's the real me. And if if they had not prayed, God would have just kept going. And I think God does that a lot of times in your life because, you know, there are a lot of things God could do, but he waits to have the relationship with you. And that comes through prayer. And so then, Jesus stops, and you know, Peter, one of the twelve, he's always the overachiever. Maybe in a lot of, even negative areas, he doesn't want to be. So, So Peter says, hey, Jesus, ask me to serve. Ask me to do something. Ask me to step out of the boat, and I'll do it. And so Peter steps out of the boat, and he starts walking on water. You know, the story is so interesting, there's so many facets to this, because... Peter, even, at, even after he responds to Jesus, so, so he's prayed, Jesus stops, he responds to what Jesus shows him, but then he takes his focus off. He takes his focus off of Christ and he puts it on the wind and the waves and he starts dry, drowning. And then he has to pray again, help Lord, and Jesus comes and you know, lifts him out and saves him. And we are so like that. And you know, God would keep going, he would just keep going on from us. He will keep going on from us unless we stop and pray. We want him involved. I want him here. I want him in your homes. I want him in your life. I want him in your family 's life. I want him in our harvest teams. I want God involved in what we 're doing with our kids. I want God here, so I want us to you know just take time and stop and pray. You know the other passage that that I, I think is interesting is acts twenty seven where uh, Paul and hundreds of other people are with him in this boat, and they're in a storm also. And, you know, it, 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 prayer is kind of like um, keeping a high horizon, right? You can't look at the bicycle wheel, your front, front wheel of your bicycle, and expect to stay in balance and to stay on top of the bicycle. You, you've got to keep a high horizon as you ride, and so Paul comes and he says to these hundreds of people, look, God has given me a high horizon because the angel of the Lord appeared to me and said, we're all going to live. And, you know, the boat will be lost and the, and the cargo will be lost, but all of us are saved and we're safe because that is our high horizon. Keep looking there. But then there were a couple of guys, again, who looked at the wind and the waves and they looked at the life lifeboats, and they said, look, maybe we need to try it on our own. And uh, Paul you know, Paul taps on the centurion's shoulder and says, look, these guys leave. You know what? God's providence has eyes. And God's given us a promise. But if we don't keep our focus and stick with him in this, then all bets are off for everybody. And this is why we pray. And we see what's happening in people's lives. And sometimes our situations seem very difficult, even hopeless." So why do we pray? Because we want Jesus to pass and come our way. We want either to get out on the water with Him or get Him in the boat with us, and we want Him here with us. So I invite you to continue to do that with us again this week, and we'll fast and pray and ask God for all of these things. And, you know, as I thought about today, if you'll turn to Romans chapter 13, if you have your Bible with you, Romans chapter 13, I thought about today in special Lord's Supper service and we are only 10 days past an inauguration and a swearing in of a new administration and not just a president and a vice president uh, but also many cabinet members and of course anyone who's new to the Congress, uh, both houses of Congress, then they were also sworn in so it's a swearing in of a new administration and you know I would like us to understand the things we are swearing ourselves into as we embark on the second month of this new year and and think about the Lord's Supper as we take it today. So number one, here's what I want. I want you informed. Romans 13 verse 11. And that, knowing that the time, that now it is high time, because history is a is a sand clock that has been turned upside down. And the sand is coming down. And as the sand filters through and goes to the bottom, that pile gets higher and higher. It is now high time. And, and the moment is high noon. And when the fullness of the Gentiles comes in to the body of Christ... Well, then then when it is high time in the hourglass, God is going to turn the whole thing upside down again. So, number one, I want you informed. Number two, I want you influenced. Verse 11, to awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. I mean, we got saved spiritually as soon as we believed. But our complete salvation of our body as well as our soul and spirit is nearer now. The day of Christ is nearer now. The day that you stand before Him, which is what the day of Christ is—the day you stand before Him—and the judgment seat of Christ is nearer than when we first believe. First Corinthians fifteen verse thirty-four. There on your handout. Um, on your handout sheet. First Corinthians fifteen thirty-four. Awake to righteousness. And sin not, for some have not the knowledge of God. Paul says, I speak this to your shame. I speak this to your shame that there are people who know you and yet do not have the knowledge of God. I mean, obviously your harvest teams are not working very well here. Ephesians 5.14, Therefore he saith, Awake, thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. Because as long as you are asleep to the things that God wants you to do, you are only as good as dead. So I want you influence. There should be a great awakening in America right now. Not political, but spiritual awakening just like the one that we experienced before the founding of America through the preaching of George Whitfield and Jonathan Edwards. And we need to stand in this spiritual awakening because a storm is coming. Look, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. As a matter of fact, I'm going to lift a lot of verses out of this parallel passage. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 6. Therefore let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. That means sober-minded. So in Romans 13... Paul is speaking in a prophetic style, just like the context of 1 Thessalonians 5. And you may not know this until I tell you, but Thessalonians were the first epistles he wrote. So when we go through our Bible reading plan this year, we will read 1 Thessalonians before we read any other epistle, because that was the first one that he wrote. And what we find here in Romans chapter 13, written at least five years later, is that Paul is reiterating all of these same ideas he's already written to the Thessalonians just to nail them down in our own lives. And he's talking about the complete salvation that is unrolling for us as we go through our series on Revelation and the book of Romans together in our study of truth, which is going to end our end times. And so we get that completed salvation at the rapture uh, as is now apparent from the verses which follow here. So in this moment, and this is number three, I want you defiant. I want you defiant, verse 12, the night is far spent, the day is at hand. Well, what is the day and what is the night? What Jesus says in John 9, verses 4 and 5, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. Well, when is that? Well, as long as I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. So as long as Jesus was here, it was day. When he ascended back to heaven, he left and left us behind. It is night. Night comes when the S-O-N is gone. But when the sun returns, then morning breaks across the eastern sky. And until then, the church age, right now, biblically, this is the night. And it is high time, because the night's almost over. And 1 Thessalonians, again it runs 1 Thessalonians 5, parallel to this passage. And in verse 2, 1 Thessalonians 5 says, For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. That is what is going to end the night of this church age. Verse 4, But ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are all children of light. When I hold it, wait. Christ, as long as he is here, he's the light of the world. He's not here, but guess what? We are. We're children of the light. That means we carry light within sight of us. You know, it's like what we saw about the two witnesses last Sunday in the book of Revelation. I mean, they're two candlesticks, but they're also two olive trees, because they've got, so here's a candlestick with its own olive tree, so nobody can ever cut it off from the olive oil it needs in order to be the light. And that is us right now, because we are children of the light and children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. So that was our... Defiances, here is our reliances. Number four, I want you reliant. Verse 12, let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. First Thessalonians 5, verses 7 and 8, for they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober, Sober-minded, thinking soberly, how do, we, how do we do that? What's going to keep us doing that, help us do that? If we are doing that, what's going to happen? We're going to put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for an helmet, the hope of salvation. That is the armor of light. I mean, it's not some other kind of armor, like militancy of some type, or doing something. No, it, it is actually faith and love, And hope of salvation. Not that we bring about the salvation, but hope of it because it comes from Christ. And so it's not not an armor of political or social upheaval. Our armor is much better than that, much more important than that. Because our armor is a light shining in the night, reflecting the light of the S-O-N. Just like the moon reflects the light of the sun. So from the Bible, we learn that there are just three simple qualifications for the Lord's Supper, and you don't have to be a member of our church to partake of this ordinance with us, but um, you should have at least, number one, seen that you were a sinner and decided to trust Jesus for eternal life and prayed and asked God to save you. So you should know that you're born again. Second. You should have been baptized by immersion at some point after you got saved as a testimony to that fact for other believers. Now, so that practical terms, that means, you know, probably you're a member of some church someplace, even though you're not a member of our church in this place. And number three, you're old enough and understand enough to examine yourself in the faith. But you know what? New Testament ordinances do not carry Old Testament restrictions because this is not a sacrament. Uh, This is an ordinance. And so it is something spiritual and it's significant because it is spiritual not necessarily because of the physical things that we're doing. So, if someone partakes who should not do that, well, you know, that doesn't hurt anything. What Jesus has a problem with is all the Christians who should be partaking on a regular basis with the body of believers and, and who do not do that and who do not see it for what it is. Or, Christians who have not prepared their hearts by getting right with their brother and their sister, and yet they partake anyway, as if the body of Christ means nothing. I mean, Paul warns against that. I mean, he says you even eat and drink down damnation down to yourself because you're not recognizing the body. What? I'm not recognizing Christ's body? No, you're not recognizing this one because you took the Lord's supper, and yet you still have aught against your brother, or sister, and things have not been made right. So this is a special time for every believer to repent, to heal the brokenness by eating the bread, and and to leave here to walk in forgiveness by remembering the blood. This act of remembrance allows you today to repent, to recover, and to walk, because number five, I want you on a virtuous walk. Now, there is a right walk and a wrong walk in verse 13. Look at, look at what it says. Let us walk honestly as in the day, because that is the right way to shine. Paul says that we pray for our government, and the thing we pray for specifically is that they would give us peace and quietness so that we can walk in all godliness and honesty. 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 12 says that ye may walk honestly toward them that are without and that ye may have lack of nothing. We've got to walk honestly toward those who are on the outside of the body looking at us on the end. So walk this way. Walk honestly. You know, some people may hurt me because I've told the truth. As a matter of fact, it hurts me. It grieves me that some people would leave me Because I tell them the truth. I mean, I may lose friends, I may make enemies over telling the truth, but I always proceed on this basis. The truth itself will never hurt me. And so what we do right now swears you in, and it seals your consecration until we do it again at the next Lord's Supper service. So I'm going to ask if two of our deacons would come here to the front, and uh, be with me on either side of the lord's supper table here at the front D- this is so cool i'm so happy because as you came in you were given the elements in this special uh, cup that we have here now if you did not get one as you came in and you need one raise your hand and we'll have some of our other deacons come by and uh, and give you uh, a cup and this is, this is so cool because we decided to ditch the Baptists and go with the Episcopalians, you know, because we had been using these Southern Baptist um, Fellowship Cups, and uh, it was kind of complicated to get open. And while I am sure that they were telling us the truth, that there was actually, that was actually a wafer that we were eating. It just didn't, it didn't seem like a wafer, I'm just saying. Um, so, uh, what, you know, what I've discovered is the Episcopalians, they kind of got it down. And I think this is kind of cool. So we've got one that's a lot easier and I think will be, uh, you know, better and, and tastier, probably about 10 times better than what we had been using. So, But just like the last fellowship cups, this one contains both elements. And uh, fortunately, much more simple. All you have to do is pay attention to which end you're opening. And first, we will have, have, have to the top the end with the cracker in it, with the white unleavened wafer. And praise the Lord, actually is a cracker this time. And again, you know, even, even the disciples dropped and spilled stuff. So you know, so if you need another one, you know, feel free to raise your hand. I mean I know they dropped and spilled stuff because Jesus one time had a woman come up to him and, and say, Look, will you heal my daughter? And he says, No, I can't do that right now. My ministry is to to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, and you're not part of them. And she she said, Alright, but you know, even the dogs get to lick up the crumbs and stuff that drop on the floor of the of the children's table. And Jesus like, Huh I mean, this lady has a lot of faith for not even being an Israelite, and he went ahead and healed her. You know, told her, "Hey, your daughter's healed. Go ahead and go home." So I know they drop stuff too. So I'm just saying it. Don't don't stress out if um, you know if something gets spilled. Um, I've talked about permission to take the Lord's Supper, but let me be just as plain as the Apostle Paul as to prohibition. Because there is a wrong way to walk. Verse 13, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying. And that's a triple-double right there. And all I will say is, if you're not walking right, well, you know it. You know it. And, And you've got to repent before God right now in order to partake in a worthy way of the Lord's supper. Don't walk in a carnal way, walk out of it today. And if you've been walking wrong, then go ahead and pull pull the tab, get the uh, cracker out, and here with this bread in our hands, I am going to pause for a moment of silent prayer so that you can repent and be clean. Let's pray. You know, in the Old Testament times, if you were making a sacrifice at the altar and you were reminded of something that your brother had ought against you, then you had to leave your offering there. You had to go take care of it with them first. And um, this, the, our situation we're in is the sacrifice has already been made. So I think if you get things right before God, you will also go from here to make them right with your brother or sister, if, you, if, they, if that's the case, and if you need to. And uh, so with that intention, then, then everything's clear. And by partaking today, you say, Jesus, I bow to your lordship over my life. I submit to your control over my life. I am putting what I have in your hands as you place into my hands, what was in yours? So I'm going to ask uh, Brother Todd Devaney, will you lead us in prayer, in prayer of thanksgiving, so we can fellowship in this bread as one?
1: Dear God, we're very grateful today for uh, the sobering yet happy reminder of the sacrifice that you gave for us. Thank you for the word that we're hearing this morning from Pastor Allen. and Father, we just pray that we would walk out of here this morning just refocused on you, refocused on what you've done for us. And, and Lord, that we would consider our ways and that we would if there's someone here that or someone elsewhere that we need to talk about uh as far as some issues that we have lord i pray that we would do that lord you you died for us so that we could have a restored relationship with our father and lord that's what you ask of us now so i just pray that we would remember this sobering time in our lives your name we ask this amen
0: Matthew 26, verse 26 says, And as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it, which we just did by praying over it, and broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. So with the broken bread in our hands, let us take, eat, and remember. Now you want to turn your fellowship cup up to the other side. And the fruit of the vine, as the Bible calls it, pictures the blood of Jesus Christ shed to cancel the penalty for our sins. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9 says, The blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanseth us from all sin. Nothing else can cleanse you from your sin. Not penance, not penitence, not waters of baptism, not religious rites or rituals. But if you know the spiritual reality of your sins having been cleansed at the cross by the blood of Jesus Christ, then you can now picture that by us drinking this cup together. You know, the really cool thing is that it not only cancels the penalty for sin past, and in effect should take away all of your guilt, all of your remorse, all of your shame, but it also restores us to the reception of Christ's own righteousness. So it's not like it just cancels my past, it gives me something so i walk forward better because i walk forward in christ i can walk forward in christ likeness we are forgiven and then we are clothed with the sinlessness of christ i mean when you get saved god puts you in christ but he puts the holy spirit in you and it is a full-time job of the spirit to bring you holiness and holiness of walk in this life. That's why he's the Holy Spirit. And even if you conform to the law by an act uh, of your by, by willpower or will worship, as Paul talks about it in other place. If you even if you conform to the law by will worship, because because you have great discipline. Well, okay, you conform to that part of the law at that at that time, and and that's good. But but since you did it that way, now you can brag about it. So what blessing is there? There's no blessing to that. Instead, you know, what God has done for us is we don't have to rely on willpower. We can rely on spirit power. And if we will walk in the spirit, walk after the spirit and not after the flesh, I mean, all it takes is that decision. And then we have all the resource that we need for the Holy Spirit to bring holiness to pass in our life. So I'm going to pause again for one moment of silent prayer so that you can get rid of all your shame and all your remorse and all your regrets before we drink together today. Now if you'll take your fellowship cup with the grape juice side up and just take the tab and carefully pull that away. Now that we have repented in prayer and now that we've reunited through Christ's brokenness, we remember that we're forgiven and now we can move forward together as one body in christ so i'm going to ask brother sean kitley will you lead us in prayer a prayer of gratitude so we can drink this cup together
1: father we just come to you and humbly thank you for your for your truth father for your mercy yes. for your grace lord uh lord we, we come to you so unworthy father but mm-hmm. we know that uh, that jesus is worthy lord yes he, uh, he paid the price father and uh, lord we want to walk in his footsteps we know lord if we walk in the light as he is in the light father that uh we'll have fellowship and that uh with we will we will live as you would have us to live father and so as we sang early father we uh, we've decided to follow jesus lord there's no there's no turning back lord may we may we walk in that light father may we commit to be the men and women that you've called us to be father Uh, and may your spirit empower us to do that father thank you for your shed blood uh, that we we are able to lord Uh, we just want to honor and glorify you this this morning jesus and we ask this in in your name amen
0: matthew 26 verse 28 says for this is my blood of the new testament which is shed for many for the remission of sins so now with this fruit of the vine in our hands drink ye all of it i want to thank you two deacons for helping me serve and you can be seated Back in Romans chapter 13, and I think it's important for us to understand in the context what we've seen here and in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, the night is far spent, the day is at hand, so it's high time, so we got to wake out of sleep, because we will face the day of Christ, and that is the day we stand before Him, and it'll be the judgment seat of Christ, and you know, once you get saved, you can't go on unchanged. And I know sometimes we think, well, you know, I got got saved maybe uh, when I was young, and then I fell away from the Lord and I backslid, and really nothing changed about me. And if you're really born again, that's not true, because the thing that changed is if you get saved and backslide, God chastens you. So he disciplines you. He chastens you as a child of his. So you can't, everything does change. It's, It's not the same. And again, you have that free will choice of, you know, if you don't walk with God, if you don't walk after the Spirit, instead you walk after the flesh, then you put yourself under the attributes of God related to His justice and His judgment. But when we walk in Christ and we are crucified in Christ and we walk with Him and we walk in the Spirit, then we put ourselves under the attributes of God that include all the omnis, omniscience and omnipresence and omnipotence and and unchangeableness and here in Romans 13 verse 13 it says in order to do this we we must not walk in rioting and drunkenness not in chambering and wantonness and not in strife and envying so now don't dismiss what that says I mean we tend to think well rioting only occurs in the two Washingtons I mean, rioting just happens on the, on the wing of the Washingtons of our country, and drunkenness only occurs when the Chiefs win next Sunday, and let's don't talk about bedchambers and whoremongering in church. But then Paul adds a thing that stabs us every time, strife and envy. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 3, for ye are yet carnal. For whereas there is among you envying and strife, one begets the other; the inner begets the outer, and it, it, it. You know, you may, you may be thinking somewhat carnally, tempting to go carnal on the inside. Uh, in envy and strife but you restrain yourself that's great because if you can can keep under your body as paul says and put your desires in check and keep it under control by the power of the spirit then you're no worse off than david or peter uh, or even the apostle paul but if there's envying and strife between members in the body there's nothing you can say to, to to try and say you're not carnal And there's no excuse you can give. So much so that James says in chapter 3, verse 14, if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not. And lie not against the truth. That ain't right. So here's what we must be in order to combat the spirit of our age. I'm going to pull it out of Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 3, where God tells Jeremiah, and he says, you know, there's certain people, they bend their tongues they, they, uh, they bend their tongues like their bow for lies. So they use their tongue like a bow and shoot arrows of lies, but they are not valiant for the truth upon the earth. And that is the only thing we can do to combat the spirit of our age is be valiant for the truth. Let's be valiant for the truth. So my final direction as we swear ourselves into a new, awakened, woke, Holy Ghost administration is number six. I want you in a victorious weight. You can put on your armor, you can stand, you can wait patiently in victory doing that because of what is provided and what is prohibited. But oh, look at what's provided. Verse 14, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ. And in one sense, that was a spiritual operation and it was in the past and it's already been realized because as Paul says to the Galatians in Galatians 3.27, for as many of you as been baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. But in another sense, putting on Christ is a practical, everyday operation that is dependent on your free will choice. And this is the difference between your standing and your state. Your standing is what you are in Christ automatically by getting saved. That's your position. But your state on planet Earth is your practice, and it needs to match your standing. So something is provided, put on the Lord Jesus Christ, but then something again in verse 14, just like in verse 13 is prohibited, verse 14, and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lusts thereof. God brought you here today so that you could be reminded of that. God has confronted you with the work of Christ on the cross and the forgiveness that he offers. Because once you accept him as Lord, you can never be the same. And if you will receive him for yourself, he'll change everything for you going forward. Every head bowed, every eye closed. You know, all you have to do is pray today. All you have to do is pray and say, God, save me for Jesus' sake. I trust Jesus today for eternal life. Jesus, here, I give you my life. You gave your life for me so I could have new life, eternal life. That even doesn't work out in this life unless I give my life to you. So if you pray like that, or if you want to be baptized next Sunday when we do baptisms, or maybe you're a member of another church but you want to join this church, or if you want to be discipled, or you have need of any other spiritual help or assistance, then come here to the front after we close and let us know. I want to give you a copy of my book, Next Steps for new believers. Or if you're online and you're watching and participating, you can call, you can text, you can email us at the office and you can let us know. Go ahead and stand and let's have a word of prayer as we leave. Father, I thank you again, Lord. I thank you so much for Lord's Supper Sundays. I, th- I think they're my, my most favorite services because Lord, is so easy to grow up in a church that doesn't pay attention to what happens at the Lord's Supper and doesn't pay attention to what it should accomplish in the life of the people in our body. And it should insulate us. I mean, it should so protect us from all the envy and strife, as well as wantonness, chambering, and everything else that is happening in the world. Lord, we ought to be that type of light. To be that type of light, Lord, we just, every, every fifth Sunday, we just need, we need our bulb washed, I mean, the light inside us is okay. Jesus inside us is okay. The Holy Spirit inside us is okay. But Lord, between between the fifth Sundays, we get we get our bulb dirty, just like Jesus washed the feet of Peter and the apostles. Lord, we need our feet washed. We need the glass. We need glass cleaner on it. We need it. Wide. We need to remind ourselves of what it was like when we first got saved, so we can take that remembered feeling and we can be for you what you want us to be in this life so father help us do that now so we will be prepared to reach all of those that you have for us to to get the light of the gospel to in the light of jesus christ we ask it in his precious and powerful name amen stay in the bible share the gospel no service tonight uh but uh, if you want to be in the fpu then you know check out the facebook link on on live to be in the zoom meeting for financial peace university and i love you see you back next sunday you're dismissed